Good afternoon, everybody. This is a nice little chilly fall day, and it is my birthday. And what other goodness to have for some tricks and treats is to give you guys a nice little interview with returning guest J.D. Oliva, who you heard about uh, last time, which was... Um, Oh, God, I think it was like last month or something where we were talking about his Harvest Moon. And that funded very well, and we can maybe talk a little bit about that, too, before we get into the Hawk Hollow, a Halloween story book that we are promoting for him today. So, J.D., welcome back. Thanks, man. First of all, happy birthday. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Hopefully sure. I can uh, hopefully I can do you a solid of a good interview for a birthday gift. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's involved like wine, beer. We're all good. So you, I'll you get know. right on that. All right, relaxation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's all. That's all that matters. I just have you. a good time and just getting drunk and stuff. So I mean, um, yeah, just have fun with it. I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I got, I got, a, I had my day off, and um, you know, it kind of feels nice to always do that when I can. Otherwise, if it's like in the middle of the week, then I usually just kind of just work and be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. So, JD, uh, real quick. So, your Kickstarter was a success. Yeah. Um, so tell us about what's going on with that. So uh, you got your new Harvest Moon cover, and so where are we about now with that? Well, we had uh, we finished the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, we launched it in the middle of August, funded it in the middle of September. I'm sorry, flip that. We launched it in the middle of September and funded in the middle of something like that. I forget. <laughs> it's all it all bleeds together. We funded it. We uh, we were only asking for five hundred bucks. We wound up with twenty five hundred dollars. So we quadruple or no, I'm sorry, we quintuple funded what we were asking for. We actually hit our funding goal in like ten hours, something ridiculous like that. It was a it was a hugely successful campaign. It was my first um, prose writing campaign, and those typically don't have the big audiences that like say a comic book campaign does but we did very well like we we up the up for what an average kickstarter does for for a book we did we way exceeded what the average campaign can do so i'm really proud of that um right now i had to actually go back and do some rewrites because i did have two people who funded at a level to become characters in the book so I actually had to go back and write them into the story. It was pretty easy. I just took two existing characters and, and traded them out. And it was a great business decision because I made good money off of it. So that's finished. And uh, I sent those chapters, those rewrites off to my editor just to make sure that I didn't screw up or you know forget to change their names in a certain spot. So once that's done, it'll go into Amazon and uh, we'll start printing the books and they'll be mailed to everybody. So it went, you know, on the whole, it, it went great. I believe you were the first podcast that I did when promoting this thing. So thank you for that. Hmm. Well, uh, thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> no, it was fun. And talking with Richard, that was nice too, because uh, Richard's a good guy. So He's a great guy. Shout He's a great guy. Fantastic, fantastic artist. You know, someone's going to get to own that sweet painting. And uh, it's going to look beautiful in their house. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that we did it. Did, so, so did somebody actually back that one? Somebody actually backed that one, yes. Oh, my God. Good for them. Yes. <laughs> Good for them. 
Because that definitely is a beautiful piece to hang up in your uh, household. So it is. It is. I'm, I'm, I'm a little envious, but you know, it's. Uh, yeah, it's I'm, I'm glad. I, I'm glad it found a home. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, uh, I think anything Richard does is like just phenomenal. Anyway, I mean, I don't know what Richard can't do. Uh, he's so. great, man. Like uh, we did a crime story, comic story together, ooh, back in like 2012, and he knocked that out of the park and. And I pushed him a little bit with doing this cover, and he just, man, he just, he nailed he it. He just destroyed it. Yeah, he just, like, made it just pop, if I may say. No, so, I, I agree. It was it was great. Like, like as soon as that cover showed up, it was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah. He's good, He's good man. I mean, like, uh, if anyone out there is in a position to hire an artist for any reason, you you cannot go wrong with Richard Clark. He's, he's great. Yeah, and his prices isn't that bad either so. no no he, he he took care he took good care of me man we're friends and you know i owe him on that so thanks bud i know you're listening exactly <laughs> richard and richard you're still a good guy uh on top of what i said last time but you know you're still good you're still yeah, a good guy he's all right he's good peoples yeah so so JD, talk to me about this uh, book here because I know it's quite a few years old now, but you're still like the promoted around Halloween time, which is you know understandable because it's October. It's the scary story, more scary stories, I should say, and um, this is more like a Halloween tale anyway. And yeah, so what what is Hawk Hollow? Hawk Hollow is the story of a small town in Minnesota that has a commercial haunted house. Like one of those things that, you know, they, they get erected every year and people go and they walk through like a little maze and they get scared. And it's the story of a bunch of kids that get trapped inside of this commercial haunted house where it turns out the people working inside are actual monsters. And it's a, a fight for survival on Halloween night. With uh, a a family of demonic redneck gin and a group of seventh graders. Wow, what a combination! It's basically like the Goonies meets Near Dark. Like if you like, if you're a big Stranger Things fan, I think that this is a story that'll click with you. It was my first book, and uh, every year on Halloween, I kind of like to uh, I kind of like to promote it a little bit. You know, we just got a brand new cover out for it, and uh, I'm really proud of this one. It's uh. It was the first novel that I ever completed and and like tried to make something with and you know it's uh it's a personal it's a personal story to me in a lot of ways. So I, you know every time around this year I like to kind of get out there and say hey, this book is still out there. Give it a look for Halloween. Fair enough. Yeah, it um from the link that you gave me with the new cover it was I actually do like this one a lot better than the old one. Me too. And it's been a hard it's been a hard book to get a cover for. This is actually the fourth cover I've had for this book and we've just kind of struggled. Like I've had a different artist and it just didn't it just didn't quite click. This one is my favorite. You know, part of part of having a book business is you're constantly tweaking your covers. This is the best one we've had for this one. I'm, I'm, I'm I like it. I really like it so far. Now, is it because of the whole like, you know, West is more type of thing? Well, and when when picking out covers, it's really important. Like, they always say you don't judge a book by its cover. It's absolutely not true. People absolutely judge books by the cover. Like, if your cover doesn't entice them in, they're never going to check the sample. If they never check the sample, they're probably not going to buy it. Like, even the, the little description at the bottom of the page. Like, 
if your cover doesn't grab them, they're never going to buy it. And that's just a sad fact of, of reality. So it's really important when choosing the cover for a book is you have to understand what sells in the genre and what tropes that readers like. And one like in my research, of it's not really a haunted house book in the way that most haunted house books are where it's like ghosts and stuff like that. It's just it's a different like it is a haunted house book, but it's got a twist. But that being said, as I'm selling it as a haunted house book, I needed to kind of hit what was working in that in in that specific space. So I needed to have a haunted house on the cover. And I found the perfect one and we talked about the artist. She's like, oh this is way better and it, it just I think it clicks. I think it helps sell the book better than, than what we've had before. So I'm, I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, I would be too because I mean it's plain, simple and um the way the lighting is through the windows, I think, grabbed your eyes, too. Right? Yeah. It kind of glued you to the house, per se. Yeah, I, I agree. And this is, like I said, this this is a tricky one. Like, the were- like Harvest Moon's an easy book to do a cover of. Like I told Rich, hey, bro, I need a werewolf. I need a big, gnarly-looking werewolf. <laughs> That's easy. Like, this one, it's like, well, it's a haunted house, and I got I get into the story, and people look at you like, okay, tougher. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a tougher one to do. So yeah. um, it's been a bit of a struggle, but I think this is this one is far and away the best one we've had. And here's the crazy part about all this, is that this novel should not exist. Um, what I mean by that is when I, my brother and I conceived this story way back in, I want to say it was 2012. And he had the idea of what if a bunch of kids got caught in a, in a haunted house with a bunch of serial killers like a Texas chainsaw thing. And I said to him, I was like, you know, it'd be better if it was supernatural as opposed to just murderers, because then you can have a little more fun with the story and it's not quite so heavy. You know, there's a, there's a nice little buffer when you include the supernatural in it. Like I didn't like the idea of like, you know, last house on the left with kids, but just didn't, it just didn't click with me. So originally it was going to be a vampire book and it was going to be a comic book. And I wrote the first couple um, drafts of the comic and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't quite clicking. And uh, so I kind of put it away for about a year. And then the two of us were driving in the car. And I said, okay, if it's not vampires, what are they? The villains, the Slaters, the, they're calling them in the book. And I kind of came up with this idea of, of the djinn. But what if, you know, what if these were like rednecks? Like stereotypical, over-the-top rednecks. Because this is a role they play more than, than anything. And that I liked that idea, and I went back and I retooled the story. And what it really, the story is really about a family kind of dealing with uh, the loss of a parent and two brothers who handle it completely differently. And we were able to work in the ideas of, you know, um, bullying and trying to fit in in middle school and the, the adjustments from high school to, to, from middle school to high school. And, and that's what it's really about, and, and bullying and friendship and those type of things. But um, this was not supposed to be a novel. This was supposed to be a four-issue miniseries comic. And I went to, I approached my friend, a guy named Matt Jordan, who's an animator in Chicago. We worked together in this studio, and we both love comics. And I, I brought him this idea, and he absolutely loved it. He went home that night and sketched out what he saw the gin to be. And what I like, and I mean, I can, I can send this picture to you over the Skype chat, is uh, his version of the gin was that they were uh, creatures made of pure light who couldn't who couldn't exist 
in like the real world. So they had to have human bodies to like jump onto. And I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. It's perfect. So that was the idea that we went with. I mean, like it, it really kind of gave us a chance to make our own creatures, you know, so kind of like a, uh, not to interrupt you, but no, no, please. in a way of like a invasion of a body snatcher. Very much so. Except like a little bit more conscious. I literally just sent you the picture of what yes, they look like. Huh. Yeah. So that is what our djinn look like, and that was what they were going to be in the comic before they invaded. But again, these things can't exist in our world. Like, the world bends and twists because they don't belong here. So it took forever, but I got four pages of finished artwork from him. And again, this is a dude that, uh, he was a full-time animator. And he, was a real, he was a real interesting dude. He was a um, childhood cancer survivor. Um, lived, oh, with his, wow. lived with his grand... He was paralyzed from the waist down. Um... He do his do full life like he just he was just fun to talk to and hang out with, and he took care of his grandparents and and his mom. And in the course of nine months, he lost his grand both his grandparents and his mother. And it was really tough for him. And I remember we were out to lunch talking about the project, and you know, I kind of made this my mission because this is around the same time that I'm doing Deluge with Rich, and uh, I got a good response from Deluge. It came out. Um, we we did not have a we went pure comicsology submit with it, which is just pure you know self publishing before it was really a thing, and I don't want to say it was a hit, but it was like super well reviewed, and it sold literally thousands of copies on comicsology. But I didn't I didn't know how to do the business end of things, so it was just kind of this thing. Like my number one concern was I wanted to write major comics, and this was all just you know um, basically resume stuff. So I had these four pages, and I knew that we could get I knew that I could get a publisher on board with what we already had done. Like my scripts were done. His, his sample pages were looking fantastic. I just had to get the rice had to bait the hook. So I went out to New York Comic-Con in October of 2014 with a mission. I had a couple copies of Deluge, the book I did with Rich in my backpack, and I had uh, on my iPad these finished pages. And I talked to everybody, I showed them around. You know, they made really good, um, they made really good impression. I remember talking to Kyle Higgins, the writer, and I, a fire writer came a friend, and he's like, man, you're, you know what you're doing. You're good. You just haven't had a break yet. Let me introduce you to some people. So he did, and it was, it was really cool. And I came back home and I told, I told Matt, the guy's name is Matt Jordan. I said, Matt, everyone loves your work. Like we, we got something here. Like, you know, nothing's official, but I think we really have something. And he got emotional. He's like, man, for the last 10 years, I've been working for other people. Now I finally get to do something that I want to do. And I was so, I was so geeked up for it. Two weeks later, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who told me that Matt Jordan had passed away. Oh no. Yeah. Um, this is literally two weeks later. He, uh, he was working at the studio and he had developed uh, a staph infection, but he uh, they work they work pretty long hours, you know, doing animation, and you know he just didn't really like going to doctors all that much, you know, being you know cancer survivor and you know all that. He just he's like I'm just tired. I'll, I'm okay. I'll be okay. And he drove the hour home from the studio to his house, and apparently he he parked the car in the driveway and just figured he'd take a nap before getting himself out of the car and going back into the house and. Uh, and he never woke up. Wow. And he was 30 years old. What the hell? Yeah. And that um that was hard, man. That was uh that slapped me you know, is a, a a call to your own mortality and um 
losing a, a good friend and then thinking about the business aspect of it too is like what do, what do I do now? And I just I remember feeling guilty for my feelings and I called Andy Schmidt who was the teacher we had a comms experience and I asked him I said I feel guilty asking you this question but I don't know what to do. And he said to me he's like dude this is a tough situation you're not you're not a bad person for wondering about this. Um you just you know it's you're in a tough spot. He's like you can always get someone to redo it. And I remember thinking, like, I don't want anyone to redo this. Like, this is hits. Like, and it took me like a month to figure out what I wanted to do. And I went through a, this kind of ushered me into a big, like, full year of just straight on depression. But I decided, you know, why not try to do a novel? Because it didn't, nothing felt right otherwise. And it took me a year to write this novel. And in that year, between 2014 and 2015, uh, it was just like, personally, it was one of those, you know, things where, you know, nothing works right. And, you know, wife had a miscarriage and, you know, we had adopted a, we were, we were fostering a kid and it just, uh, this teenager and it was, it was not going well and just personal and personal life stuff and just being, just being miserable, just being miserable all the time. And, uh, on top of that, you know, about a month after Matt died, we got a, we got an offer from a publisher. And I had to turn it down because I didn't have any, you know, it's independent comics. Like you, you're, you're a total package, you know, it's not like they're going to go find you another, another artist. So it was like, I got everything I wanted, but I didn't have my partner there to share with. And therefore I couldn't do it. So, um, literally this, this book here became me trying to pull my, pull my ass back together basically. And, from the time that I started writing this as a novel to the time that I finished like the real first draft of it, I completely changed my life. I took a new job. I left the school I was coaching at. We had a we had a baby boy, you know, um, and it took about a good two years to really start feeling like myself again. And then, um, you know, I got the Kickstarter going for another comics project and you know, I was, uh, this, this book, you know, as another, as a comic, you know, got a second, second chance of life when I was, I pitched it to a, a major comic studio. We'll just leave it at that, but they passed on it and it was cool. Uh, we went about three months waiting on that. And then in the meantime, I just, I, I started learning about self-publishing novels and I said, well, I have a novel just sitting on my computer doing nothing. So, um, I, I busted it out again. I kind of blew the dust off of it and went back and made some more tweaks and um, launched my independent writer career with this book as a free book where I was building up my email list. And um, this was the, uh, this, this became my bridge to from depression into being what I've always wanted to be my whole life, which was a, a writer. So this is a story that is very close to me uh, mainly because it was of what it could have been. Like, I still love what this book turned into, but I will always look at it as what could have been, you know? No, I completely understand what you mean. And, like, would that, even with that picture that you just sent me, um, for listeners, it, the, the best way I'm going to describe what uh, JD sent me is imagine, like, Let's see here. The the best way I guess I could sum up this image is like think of 
decrypted the rake. And if he could, like, stand on his two feet, because we all know the rake seemed to, like, um, kind of be on all fours. But anyway, if we could imagine the rake with an open mouth with uh, white eyes and the white that JD is talking about that is glowing inside his mouth and eyes. And then we get this beautiful, like, highlighted shadow of, like, a... It's, it's, it's like a mix between a light and probably medium dark blue-ish green. Because I do see some, a little sort of speck of green. But, like, the way the highlights are with the shadows of this uh, creature is just... Like it's 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 almost like a watercolor uh, yeah. effect, and it's really nice. And oh my god! And uh, JD just sent a little bit more. To... Yeah, these are the these are the finished pages. These these are crazy. Like I kind of wish we got to see this too, and that's uh, unfortunate for what happened to Matt. Yeah, and... a guy who overcame so much in his life. You know, met with a, uh, a, I don't hate to use the word tragic because it's, it's thrown around, but I mean, like, I can't think of another way to sum up the life of a 30-year-old who ended so quickly, who had so much talent and was just starting to to scratch it. Now, like I said, the last conversation we had is I can finally do something for me. That was literally the last yeah. talk we had. And this book became, it was literally, like, this, this book is about loss. And I lost my mom when I was young. And having lost Matt when I was, you know, in my 30s, you know, this was literally, this is really a story like me trying to, I didn't realize at the time, I was like, well, I'm going to do this book to kind of work on my bullshit. But <laughs> that wasn't the idea at all. But, you know, going back and, and reading it again, I can see it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is totally a story about characters who, who are trying to pull the pieces back together. And that makes for really good horror stuff because it's damn scary. It, it really is. It really is. And, uh, like, I'm just looking at these other uh, three pages that you just sent to, and it's just like, oh, my God, this guy is, this guy, that was really good. He was, Holy he was really good. Like, and, this would have this would have been something, you know? It would have been, and it still it still can be as a, as a book, but just in comics, like, this would have, this would have been it. And, uh, yeah, this is a shame. Oh, my goodness, like. Yeah, like I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, holy shit! It's except for this, like, you know, we lost a really great artist and colorist. Cause did he? He did the colors too. Did the right? whole thing. He did everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, this guy is blowing my mind. Like Matt, Jesus, rest in peace. But geez, oh my god. Like, I just love this. Like, yeah. I really wish we could have seen what he could have done with the whole thing. Oh, my God. This is just this is, this is incredible to see. And uh, if JD allowed me to uh, use these images, maybe I can uh, post them um, in the article for people Please. to see these. I, so. would love, I would love the fact that the fact that people haven't seen them always bothers me. So yeah, I mean it's it's they're part of the book. Like I included these as part of the package. Like you buy the the D book, like you're gonna see these in their in their glory, in in you know in on the inside. In the end, I haven't. It's the only book I have an afterward. 
about mm-hmm. where I where I talk about this kind of stuff and and I put it I can't not because I can't I can't think about Hawk Hollow without thinking of Matt. You know, jeez, I can I definitely understand why and um yeah I mean his his work kind of reminds me of um another comic too but like this is just great but you ever heard of um into the darkness i think it's called no i haven't i would say check that out i will it's it that's kind of sad what's going on with them because they wanted to do um like a 10 10 issue thing for into the darkness but the guy had been quiet he lost his uh his uh what was it his artist too and um i don't know if he like passed away but i think it would more like he he quit kind of thing or he left but it's been so long now that i don't even know if we're gonna ever see the return of it kind of thing and i don't know it's just something about like what i'm seeing with matt's work here it's just reminding me so much of into the darkness right now I'd like to check that book out because, again, and whatever can remind me of my buddy, I, I always appreciate. But yeah, man, that's like I said the story behind Hawk Hollow is always one that that I think helps it stand out, and you know, I like talking about it because I like talking about my friend. It's been it'll be about six years this week actually that he passed away. Wow. Yeah, because I'm looking at my Facebook, and according to Facebook, I had just gotten back home from New York Comic Con last week, so and I haven't been back since. And uh, you know, life took a different direction afterwards but you know you make you make do with what you got and that's uh, i don't want to say this book is making do with it but i mean like at the same time matt's loss is is all over the book you know his impact is still felt in the book like we have a character her name is kira she's the the female Jin, and he referred to her drawing as a, a skanky banshee that was his inspiration. That was his like way he drew. He called her a skanky banshee. So like when the kids are talking about her in the story, I use that terminology for her. You know, like and he, there's things he created that that are all over the place on this. You know, like we uh, they're mine now. Like I, I paid him for the work that he did, so legally they're mine. But um, you know, his influence is is undeniably all over this. And this is another one that I would love to. Uh, I would love for more people to see because, quite frankly, I'd like I'd like to go back into this world and make it more economically viable for myself. Well, I completely understand, and what what what's very interesting too is like so, and I don't really I think I've only maybe mentioned this like I think once on my pod on the podcast maybe not I don't think I've actually really went into what happened, but. Just hearing how how Matt passed away, it's kind of really interesting because my dad is also was also a cancer survivor, and he was in Vietnam and stuff like that. And like he was kind of like Matt in a way. He he didn't really like to you know go to the doctors unless he really really needed to. And uh, so that was my dad. And then um, it was. September 16, 2003, where he was supposed to be going to the VA uh, doctors for a appointment. And when he went into his pickup, 
he actually had a heart attack. Oh, man. So he ended up, because of the heart attack, he ended up um, basically like having his foot down on the pet on the gas, reversed out into the road, came back into his yard, and basically crashed into his camper that he had, Jesus. where he basically passed away there. It's it's it's. I know. I mean, somebody sorry, like me man. should not be remembering this, but I mean. It's kind of bad when your mom drives by, like, and you just see, like, you know, not really the aftermath, but you still see the aftermath of the tracks in the uh, lawn, per se. So. I'm sorry. So. Similar. I lost, we lost our mom in 21. I was 21 and uh, I was in college and I was at home that morning, you know, gave my mom a hug on my door, said, I love you, see you, bye. You know, and I didn't quite mean it that way, because she passed away that night as a sudden death syndrome. The electrical impulses in the heart just, just stop. Like if she was, she was in the car with my dad and my brother, and if, uh, if there had been a defibrillator nearby, she probably would have survived. But they weren't near one, and wow. it was just yeah, one of those things. I mean, I mean, like these are things that. This is why horror, I think, works for for people, is because we're we're all touched by death. In, a, in some way. And that's what horror is about. It's about chasing the specter of death. And I, I think that people who enjoy horror have, have a, a more at peace understanding of it, I think, than most people. You know, is that we can compart Like, to like horror, you have to be able to compartmentalize death a little bit more than, than average people. You know, so I think that um, talking about these things and creating art based on these things helps people. It helps yourself and it helps others who might sympathize and, and are going through it. And I think this is why the medium and the genre of horror are, are important. I can't agree. I can't. I mean, I can't disagree with that anymore. I mean, or like, at all, I should say. Like, it's it. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's why I enjoy horror. It's just because you know. We're always chasing death. We're always trying to find the answers. We're always trying to find, I should say, the the truth, really. Yeah. And um, not only that, but we, like, like I was hearing another podcast, and I'll even say it here again, is, like, people don't realize, like, when it comes to the horror genre, yes, it is gory sometimes. It can be you know, like, really bad, it can be whatever, depending on the movie, but you also gotta remember that every horror story is a lesson learned of how to overcome the evil, the the death, and everything the dark, else. The darkness. The darkness. You know, whatever that represents to you, you know, that's what really, that's why my favorite horror is really like people like say, oh, the good versus evil stuff gets so cliche, and I, I don't buy into that because like evil can be represented by anything that's that's standing in our way or anything that's trying to oppose us, and like horror just it, it makes the stakes so much more grand because like you know a lot of times you, you watch a, a like an action movie or something like, that, like he, there's this veil of safety over the characters, and I was telling you before the show started the first chapter of Hawk Hollow. I introduce two characters, a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and you really I tell the story of how these high school kids meet and kind of fall in love and how 
you know, it's a nerd and a, a cheerleader and they, you know, they learn to kind of become happy together. And then I immediately kill them because you have to set the stakes, you know, that, that no one is safe and in horror, no one is safe. Right. Like, and that's, and it's important to have, cause there's not, you know, that's why it's something like game of Thrones grabs people because like it's, it's horror in disguise. Like people think they look at it as high fantasy and drama, but the stuff that happens to it is, is straight out of horror. And it makes it a little bit more like it make it, it grabs people a little bit more. And that's what, that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to pay, pay, uh, pay mind to what happens in real life a little bit. And the fact that in real life, none of us are safe. Right. And, uh, you, and it could be any moment. And in horror, it's the clock is ticking for everybody. And that's part of the fun of reading it or watching it or, you know, just imbibing in the genre at all. So I think that, uh, I think that's something we should, uh, embrace more than run away from. Ooh. Can I just say, uh, goosebumps? <laughs> I am a writer. This is what I get paid to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, not, not like I'm trying to say like, that's a funny thing. What you just said, but holy crap, like chilled, man. Like, yeah, you, you nailed it. I think, I think you nailed it in the coffin for sure with what you just said. Yes. And it's just, no, it's, I don't know. Like, um, I think that's why I actually find myself always liking horror more than any other genre, really. And even though I haven't seen Game of Thrones and stuff, but I mean, that's all I used to hear about. Good, though, it's really good. From people. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, they better not kill this person. And then they kill them. And then it's just like, no! Whether and then you get like the Walking Dead, where yeah, yeah, exact uh, same thing. That that is horror, but it's the same thing as you develop these relationships with the characters, and you know it. You never know when their time's up, and they remind you of that constantly. Yeah, and then you get like the Walking Dead, though, where like you know you get almost like uh, Rick being like Superman or something for how many seasons, and then he gets. Taken away without really an explanation, I guess, from what I understand. He just, like, gone. I mean, I don't know. Don't, the, con- don't the contract me. expired. He didn't want to re-sign the contract, so it's a little bit different in that case. But, yeah, it's the same deal. Is like, find me another show that will uh, <clears throat> gladly kill off its lead character. Lead character, you know? And, again, only in horror could something like that be done and be seen as a strength instead of yeah. a weakness. Well, that's why I like, um, have you ever seen, like, the movie Thief? Thief with uh, James Conn? Yes. Yeah, I love that moment. We got Michael Mann, my favorite filmmaker. Absolutely. Oh, that's the perfect example right there. Like, look how many times, like, that, the first film even, like, where this good guy steps in, he's like, no, I'm the main guy, kind of, like, appearance, like, he's the badass, and then he just gets wiped out on the floor, and then, yeah. like, the next guy comes in to try to take his place, and then he gets wiped out. It's just, that's what it reminded me of, but yeah, in yeah, a yeah. way, yeah, but in a way, Feast did it in, like, a cheesy, fun way, though, and mm-hmm. Feast is a good, uh, trilogy, so I remember right. Cool. But, um... Yeah, I um, um, I think my brain just died after hearing Sorry. like all that stuff, <laughs> Sorry. I, all that I emotional stuff. Yeah, uh, no, well, it's it's. 
I don't, I like, jeez, oh, here we go. So, yeah, I'm tripping on words now because it's just like, well, what what do we say after all this emotional talk and, and like, and personal stuff except for that, you know, Hawk Hollow is basically JD personal personal book. Uh, his first book that, uh, as you said, never should have seen the light of day kind of thing. We shouldn't even be out in the uh, public eye. And then, like, the tragic story behind what could have been and just, oh my goodness, like, like, just seeing the artwork, though, from yeah. Matt alone, it's just like, oh my goodness, like, yeah. and it's like okay. the, shit, the stuff like, that we could have seen. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's it's been six years, so I'm I'm comfortable talking about it. Um, it should have been it should have been a really good comic. In my opinion, it's a really good novel. Um, that taught me I learned how to write a novel writing this one, which was important. That's you know set my life. But um, you know, this is uh, I owe it to him to. To put to not keep this to myself, I owe it to him to tell his story. I owe it to him to tell people, "Hey, if you don't feel good, go to see a doctor." I owe it to him to to to, to share. Um, I can't say my creation to share our creation to share that little bit of art that he was able to do. Like I, I owe it to my friend to make sure that one of his lasting creative legacies can still have legs. Like it'd be very easy for me to sit there and leave this book alone and say, you know, this wasn't my best book. It was my first attempt. It's fine, but I, I can't. So, I mean, like, so I will go back and, you know, the best part of being a self-published editor, a writer is that I can fix stuff. You know, I can get, I've gotten better. I'm proud to say that like in the three years since I did finish this book and put it out, I'm better. I'm a better writer. So I go back and I, I can't re. I don't rewrite from scratch cause that's not fair to the work. But you know, I'll fix some things here and there, you know, and just mainly language stuff because I'm I'm better at it. You know, I'm I just I understand the medium a little bit better. So yeah, I've got to go back and I tweak it once a year, just to make it better. Just because I owe it to him, and I probably will could do that continuously, not with all my books, but with this one because I owe it to somebody else to make sure it's as good as it can be. And then, with that being said to you, I think we'll, I think it's safe to say that we'll dedicate this, this episode in Matt's, uh, memory to, because, like, like you just said, if it wasn't for him, like, this, this stuff would not have happened, so, no. this episode goes out to Matt. Rest in peace, my friend. Yes, rest in peace, Matt. Now... JD, is there anything else that you would like to talk about with Hawk Hall? Because yeah, the story. I mean, yeah, what I love about this book, um, the Matt stuff aside, is it's really the story. Like I said, I came up with the uh, the con the high concept with it with my younger brother. Uh, Matt's my best friend. We host a podcast together called the Story Builder Podcast, where where the two of us and our cousin we uh, we have like a writers' room where we'll take a, a we'll take a like an idea. And then we'll try to make a story out of it in an hour. It's a lot of fun, and it keeps me on my toes as far as being a creator goes. Um, so yeah, we we do this. Like he's my uh, he is my sounding board for stuff. Um, at its core, this is about two brothers who who have lost their way with each other and need to reconnect. They literally need to con- reconnect with each other to survive. Like it's the two groups of friends: the little the little brothers' friends strike back at the big brothers' bully friends. And they get trapped in this haunted house, and the big brother's bully friends are murdered by these demonic creatures. And and the little kids have a chance to run, but Cody, the leader, won't because he just he can't live with himself if something happens to his brother. 
So he stays behind, even though they don't, they might not have the relationship that they should have, you know, um, they're trying to rebuild it under fire, literally. And I love that about it. Like, I love that I got to write about uh, a relationship between two brothers. Like Matt and I never had that bad of a relationship, but I do know kids that have, you know, it was fun to write about kids. I've been coaching high school wrestling since 2003. Um, You know, I, I spend a lot of time with kids you know, and I, I like to think I have a, a tick on how they talk and how they think. And, you know, uh, it's different than writing, you know, an Ethan Jericho book or something like that. Like it's, it's you put yourself in the minds of 12 year olds, 13 year olds, and it's uh, it's fun. And now that I'm a dad and I see Andy growing up and, you know, listening to him and it's like, OK, you know, I can kind of I can look at this from a different perspective now. So, I mean, I really uh, if you like Stranger Things uh, this is a good book for you. It was a big influence on me. Um, Monster Squad was a huge, huge influence on, on me. And it really, you know, it's about how this is really is a Halloween story. Halloween is my favorite holiday. Love dressing up and I love trick or treating. And I loved being a kid, you know, uh, researching this book. Matt and I actually went to a bunch of haunted houses and took notes. So it was weird to see two thirty dudes in their thirties going to these haunted houses, but it was literally for business. It was literally for work. So, you know, um, there's a lot of joy in this thing too. It's not just all you know, working through grief. It's there's a lot of fun in it too, and it's it's fun to write kid characters because they don't say the right thing, they don't do the right thing, they you know they're rash, they're impulsive, you know, um, they don't always they don't always make the right decision. And that's part of what makes drama fun is people making the wrong decision. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in this very short book, but it's, man, it's, it's a good story. It really is. And I'm very proud of it. Well, it seems like it's a good story with all the uh, great reviews I've seen about it. So, I mean, you must have hit, hit the, uh, the heartstrings on some people, I will say, or where, like, you know, we were talking about a few minutes ago where they probably got attached to some character, and then once you killed the monster, like, oh, come on! You know, like, he was my favorite, and, like, we were just discussing, like, you know, nobody's safe, and, you know, everybody's time will come eventually, so it's just a matter of just enjoy it while you can. Right, and when the stakes are kids... You know, it's a little more serious, but at the same time, you can have a little more fun with it. You know, so uh, yeah, man, it's a it's a fun book, and it's available for four ninety nine on Amazon right now. Uh, every Halloween, I try to make a thing out of it. Got a new cover. You know, uh, I I just I really love this thing. Like, you know, I would love to go back to this world someday, but not yet. I was just about to ask you, like, have you thought about like returning to the universe and? Um... Continuing from like a different perspective or something. Or... The narrator, the narrator of the audiobook. There's a Hawk Hollow audiobook too. If you like the uh, Audible thing, um, really wants me to do another one of these because he really enjoyed doing this book. I think the same. I think it's doing the kids and you know just didn't he doesn't get a chance to do stuff like that. So he's really always pushing me to do that. And I have um, Hawk Hollow is a is a city in Minnesota, fictional, but it's one that shows up in in a lot of my books. You know, so there's a lot of, uh, there's a, there's a nice little Easter egg for Harvest Moon in this book. And, yeah. uh, there's a little, in the Jericho books, some of them go back to Hawk Hollow and my Vision Quest superhero books. Like there's some Hawk Hollow stuff in it. And you, we mentioned the characters and, 
you know, I'm I like a Stephen King type where I just I like having everything in one little contained universe that in my mind even it all works together. So yeah, man, it's um it all works in that way. I totally lost track of the point I was trying to make. <laughs> I got that one. Yeah, welcome to my world after what you just did to my brain. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was not my intention, but yeah. It's uh like I said, man, Matt's Matt's stuff was really great and uh it's important to me that people can at least see my um ode to him. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I do have I sorry, yes, will there be a second story? I do have a a, a homecoming Hawk Hollow homecoming idea in my head. I don't have it quite flushed out yet, and I haven't had I haven't had the reason to really do it yet. I do want to be pushed a little bit in that direction to tell everybody kind of what happens to the characters when they get to high school. So uh yeah, the ones that, that make it through. So yeah, there there is another story there. We'll see. We'll see how the year treats us. Well, hopefully we did no tricks then. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, with that being said, JD, um, is there anything else on Hawk Hollow that you have not uh, told us that you would like to tell us about? Or do you think you've kind of said all that you can for right now? Alcalo is a story about kids that are faced with literal monsters. They're in a haunted house. They don't know who is a demon and who is just a kid pretending. Because like every, through every corner, there's something else waiting for them. Is this the one that's going to get them? Or is this just some little dork who's just having fun and a good time on Halloween? That is the, uh, that is the fun of the story. And it's available right now on Amazon. And I would, I would love for you to pick it up and, and let me know what you think, everybody. Yes, and I would um, highly recommend it to you because uh, JD's writing is quite, um, you know, I don't even know the word right now of what I'm trying to think of. It's quite <laughs> refreshing, I'm, I, I would say. I was hoping you'd say good. <laughs> yeah, it's quite refreshing because as we kind of we're talking about two off the air JD is, and I'll make it quick too, but is, you know, um, the way we were talking about where everybody is the target, nobody is safe. That is what horror is missing even nowadays because everybody needs to be the hero. Everybody tries to be the, the, the badass protagonist where, well, where is the, Story where nobody is safe at all, mm-hmm. and the bad guy wins. Because usually, ninety uh, percent of the time, that's what happens. Unfortunately, yeah, in real life, that's that's true. Um, I don't like those. I don't like an ending like that. Like you're not going to get one of my. I'll be honest with you, they're not going to one of my works where the bad guys win. But what I think is really important is that, like, when the end of the story comes, there are ramifications. Like, the protagonists have to be changed. Sometimes it's for the better, sometimes it's for the worse. Um, I look back at one of my my Jericho books, Nightcrawler, that's out now too. You know, that story ends and the hero is in a way worse place than he was when it started. You know, and he has to literally change everything to survive. Like, and I think that's important. Is that like, like, stakes have to mean something. Like, you can harvest moon, like... Um, the lead character is the, the least safe person in the entire book. 
And when it ends, everybody is in a worse place than when it started. But that's part of life is like you need to you need to recover from being in those worst places. And it takes sometimes it takes work to get there. And I guess uh, that's kind of what we all got to do. And I think the kids in this story are not necessarily in better places, but I think they've grown for the better when it when it comes out because again this is a story about two brothers repairing their relationship and like things are messed up at the end but they're stronger people for it you know the ones that that do make it out make it through the maze alive you know and i think that uh that's the lesson of horror is like you know we use our tragedies to shape who we are and try to make us into better people stronger stronger people yeah 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 and you know that's always a good message too because you know we start off weak but then after what we've overcome we become smarter bolder and you know just the outcome of it is just we're no longer afraid to confront our demon per se here's a here's a little writing trick that anyone who's listening who wants to you know write books movies comics whatever any story you need to start with a character right your character has a goal a single goal Something is standing in its way of achieving that goal. By the time he reaches the end of his journey, whether he achieves the goal or not, he needs to be changed. That's a story. That is, and that's a key element. A lot of people forget that when, when creating, right? You need to have a character and he needs to get from A to B to C. And by the time he gets to C, he cannot be the same person. There's always exceptions to the rule, but by and large, that is the formula that makes a good story. Any genre. Yeah, and I'll say that goes the same way with movies. So Absolutely. Any, yeah. like said, any story. Book, comic, movies, like uh, theater, opera, whatever. Like the best stories. And this is the stuff they teach you in school. You boil it down. Character A wants B. To get, and then he has to get to see something is standing in his way. Is it a, a force of nature? Is it a person? Is it whatever? You know, that's that's how to tell a story. And it's all the devil's all in the details of how you get it done. So that will I will leave the listener with that. And I think on that note, that might be the good way to I guess uh, end the episode then because I have nothing else left to ask because you basically answered what I would have uh, asked anyway but I guess JD is um, so Hawk Hollow uh, you said it's available on Amazon um, anywhere it's it's available on Amazon anywhere Um, it actually just got released this week through Kobo, Barnes and Noble Uh, it's about all of your um, Google Play, Apple Books like uh, I'm officially a wide writer now. I don't just live on Amazon. My stuff is available everywhere. So you know, Amazon. Um, it's Prime. You know, Prime Day's coming up, so I'm pushing the Amazon a little bit to help people out a little. But I mean, like, yeah, man. If you're not an Amazon person, you like Kobo. It's available there. If you like Apple Books, you like to read on your iPad. It's available there too. Like, I'm going above and beyond right now to make my stuff as accessible as possible. And it's actually a little bit tougher that way to, to make a buck for a writer. But, hey, man, I want people to read. So there you go. There you go. So I will do my best to provide the link uh, in the episode below. Otherwise, um, I guess just go to google.com and just type in Hawk Hollow by J.D. Oliva, and uh, you should probably get some best search results there. So, I mean... 
that's all I can think of because I did try to look up uh, Hawk Hollow and other places, but unfortunately, like JD just said, um, he just uploaded it in other places. So I just did it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally just did it. So yeah, he that. just did it. So uh, by the end of the week, we'll all be able. Yeah. Yeah. Also. Another good thing to do is you do not like supporting like big companies like Amazon and stuff. Go to your local bookstore and see if they can order you a copy there. Support local bookstores as well, especially in time of a uh, weird ass crazy world. So absolutely, it's available in paperback too. So um, we are more than happy to if you want to work with your local bookstore, just ask them to place the order for you. They will get they uh, they will bid it from the distributor themselves. And I'm, I got no problem with that. I support local businesses. I am a local business. I am a small businessman. So I understand exactly what people are, are, are thinking. Like I said, if you don't like Amazon, you know, the, the other um, online retailers are going to have it soon. You know, um, one thing I'm, exper- I'm, I'm debating about is in the next year, maybe maybe selling direct on my own site. I'm not, I'm not 100% sold on that. I have to look at the tax implications of it. But I'm, I'm debating it myself because I don't like, I don't love Amazon. No one does. But, you know, for right now, they are the number one. And, you know, you got to dance with the devil sometimes. So, but I understand. Yeah, yeah. I think we all dance with the devil in the pale moonlight sometimes. So One of my all-time favorite movie quotes, yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, with that being said, uh, J.D., uh, you know, thank you for allowing uh, this conversation to happen. And, um, you know, I'll say it again. uh, Rest in peace, Matt. Uh, this episode will be going out for you and your name for all your hard work that you did do and what could have been because, oh my God, I'm just, I'm still like in shock of like this, this artwork. So, and since JD is, will allow me to uh, use these images, I will put them in the article so that way people can see it. So for anyone that's listening on iTunes, or anywhere else that is not on our website, uh, go to our website and go to find this article uh, for the interview and just scroll down and these images by Matt here will be there for your eye to just go, what the hell. <laughs> like, this is, this is amazing. So, yes. Um, with that being said, uh, Hopefully everybody had a nice trick-or-treat, and I know with some states nowadays banning the whole trick-or-treating thing and etc. I mean, at least maybe if you pick up this book, maybe it'll give you a nice little treat then, and hopefully not a trick. And hopefully you'll be a sweet tooth to engulf in the pages and just have a good old fancy time with the uh, Hawk Hollow. And hopefully more to come, too. So, until then, um, until we meet meet with JD again, uh, thank you very much for joining. And as always, everybody, just remember to stay calm, stay safe, and above all, just, you know, keep it scary. Because you just never know when the clock will tick down to the sands of time. Oh,